0: Guys, welcome to the J Scott Outdoors Podcast. Today I've got my friend Scott Ellis of Woodhaven Turkey calls. Scott, how you doing?
1: I'm doing well outside of still recovering from the convention crud from two thousand and twenty. <laughs> it seems oh, yeah. like we
0: all get it every year. I mean, it's it's crazy, but it's it's something that always happens and um I saw you come I didn't make it to the convention this year. I was at Western Hunting Expo. But sounds like a lot of people got sick and um you even had a osceolus last week uh, sicker than a dog.
1: Sicker than a dog, man. Um, don't know if I've ever had influenza A that I can remember being tested positive for, but it takes the wind out of your for sure, and, it, and it's just very long-lived. Um, still got a cough, still can't walk 100 yards without taking a break. It's crazy. But, yes, already in the woods with Jake last weekend for the South Zone opener. Had a fantastic hunt. Um, we were in Lakeport, Florida Uh, had reports the birds were not gobbling too good jay and i said that's okay as long as there's turkeys in the area we'll do our magic and that was going to consist of doing exactly what i did i did a lot of jake yelping and and calking into some half gobbles and i did some kiki running and um the the long short story is uh jake was running his woodhaven yellow venom his preferred call of choice designed by dad of course (laughs) 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 and um he started yelping and doing a little light cutting and and he just he got this hen absolutely pissed off like a better terminology just like you would like to get one to do if it's that aggressive type boss hen and he had her hemmed up for 10 minutes and this hen and it'll be on my show hunt quest in the coming months but the hen was keen cutting and excited yelping in the same breath I've never heard anything like it it was amazing did so the audio went back
0: capture and forth. it on the camera?
1: I mean, did it get it? Oh, absolutely. I, I, we never could get any good video of her, but the camera rolled the whole time, and she was 20, 30 yards, but she was behind some cover. But, yeah, wow. it'll be it'll be pinpointed, and I'll definitely point that out to the viewers whenever we, I edit that show for Hunt Quest, which is now on the Mossy Go app and on YouTube. Um, so that hen finally drifted off, and I go, my gosh, if a gobbler was in 200 square miles of here, that there's going to be something drifting in here and it wasn't minutes after she finally drifted on out to about 100 yards i hear Mm -hmm. i go "Uh uh-oh burgess drum burgess drum and everybody's eyes got big and i said listen 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 Mm -hmm. i'm like and everybody then got it they heard it jake heard it simon ellis one of my woodhaven guys was with me also running camera so we have three camera angles on this on this hunt and um it was about three or four or five minutes passed by and i finally lay lay eyes on this gobbler and he is 10 yards behind simon who was behind us filming and um i'm like don't move he's right there and he and all i could see was he was kind of alert looking looking and then i realized they had a hen well the hen started easing off i clucked and purred a few times they ended up back in front of us circling around us and right in front of us in 20 25 yards jake made a great shot because the gobbler wouldn't stop i started i cut at him and even tried to alarm putt at him and he would not stop he was like he was in a mission to get somewhere and Jake had to shoot him with the old head bobbing back and forth, but I think he caught him at half of his Apex GT20 pattern, but it, it, it laid him down, and, and the the game was over, and we were on the board in, in South Florida or in Florida and, uh, last weekend in February. It was great. I had barely
0: woken up. You know, I'm two hours, maybe three <laughs> hours different, and all, you guys already got a turkey on the ground. It's not even <laughs> light here. I'm like, good night. Those guys, <laughs> they were on them. Um, was that um, – did you have – birds roosted the night before
1: or did you hear much gobbling at all or her uh great question to add a little bit to it heard a few distant gobbles we were hunting this this place is a hunting lease it's not it's not an outfitter or anything like that um nothing against that we're we're hunting an outfitter here on the next youth hunt in central florida but but just as as a friend of mine hunt his hunting lease and um but where the hunting lease is it's different people have their kind of their their prescribed areas if you will so you, you have a problem on these type of hunt leases running and gunning like you want because you're going to overlap people. And, and so you just have to kind of do what I love to do anyways in that set and blind call. A little frustrating um, off the roost if you've got a bird 300 yards away and you can't close. But to answer your question, we heard a couple of, of distant gobbles. Um, and, and my buddy had not been hearing any turkeys gobble. He had a few on game cameras that were strutting in groups, in bachelor groups, but they weren't gobbling hardly at all. So we kind of prepared ourselves to not hear anything. And I said that's okay. I've done this a hundred times and killed birds that didn't gobble. They're still in the mood. As long as we can get one of them kind of interested or get some hens fired up and get some um, some early spring hen talk going, like we did. Jake's interaction with that hen I think helped, and uh, some Jake goblin half gobbles, um, and, and, it, and it planned out beautifully with almost no gobbling. Now I'll get I, don't, I won't get too long-winded. Sunday morning I took my nephew out. With my new Stevens 410, with my Apex Turkey Ninjas, my Indian Creek 390, and my True Glow Ignite Red Dot Scope. And this thing is 40 yards all day, every day. Devastating pattern with these Apex Ninjas. These Turkey Ninjas are awesome. And he's nine years old, and I had been teaching him a lot of gun safety, and we have been shooting clays, and I took him squirrel hunting. So this was his first turkey hunt. And lo and behold, I outhoot. There's a bird 150 yards from us set up. Long and the short of it, my nine-year-old nephew is about four foot three, four foot five. As we all know, when you have a little fellow like that and they sit on the ground on their butt, their their vertical height, their vertical visibility is almost nothing. It's, it's right. two feet. Mm-hmm. So where when we slipped in there, and I'd never hunted this particular part of, this was a nether hunting what when, when we slipped in there, it looked like a pretty solid setup. It looked fairly like there were several avenues that bird could approach, but as the daylight started to break and get harder and harder light, I'm like, oh, my gosh. There was cocklebur bushes so thick you would not, um, you can't even imagine. And I know cockleburrs, Klingons, you know, the little birds yeah, that for sure. on the stalked plant with the big green leaves. They were everywhere. So this bird played the part. He read the script. I had him going nuts on the roost, did a couple fly downs with my wing, and, and cackled and, and within 10 minutes he's in front of us at 25 yards. Now I could see him and, and could have shot him because my high, I'm, I'm almost six foot tall. You know, I have four foot of, of, of visibility. And when he would come up out of strut, he was clearly in shotgun range and clearly presented a shot. Ty, my nephew, was two foot below me and he just couldn't get a good clean shot and he didn't take it. And I'm proud of him for that because he was, he was jacked up. It was awesome. It was as good as you could ever expect it other than the bird flopping. So that's the, that's the Saturday and Sunday story. But this bird gobbled 200 times, Jay, if he gobbled once. So it was it was interesting getting the best of both worlds, and these two leases are about 30 minutes apart. You get a nice, quiet gobbler, the hard ones to kill sometimes, and then you get another one that just gobbles all, all the way in on a string. So it was a very interesting weekend.
0: In a situation like that where you've got a bird that's just hammering, you don't get him shot, I assume he just ended up wandering off. Do you feel like that's a bird that, you can go back and, and could work, or would you give that bird a little bit, maybe not even, if, if you were hunting the next couple days, would you give him a day and just let him do his thing, or would you get right back on him?
1: I would uh, give him a day, and interestingly enough, he did fade off. He, he was in range 20, 25 yards, then he faded out to about 35 yards. Still in range, there's palmetas now in play. So the palmetas hindered our, our visibility, so we couldn't see him because of that. And finally, he drifted on off still goblin so we gave him a minute to drift we repositioned on him we never got in the right position um again this is one of those places that i don't know the terrain and the lay of the land very well and that sometimes causes me for tax sandwiches so to speak because uh, you don't know where you can go and have cover so you won't be seen you don't know what avenue would be the best to approach um this bird how do i get to this real quickly um, he was across the open field and had got back into another hammock. Had we have known that there was a little road just right across from where we actually repositioned on him, we and and I believe in my heart it was there was enough palmetto cover that he could not have seen us. We could have cro- crossed that open area and got on, in the woods on the same side of those woods. And I think we would have killed that turkey just with a good reposition. But we didn't want. I, I just didn't take the gamble on moving and bumping him. But to answer your question, I would have. We would have definitely given him a day. And uh, just because, I mean, nothing was boogered, nothing was messed up, but he did come really close to a hen from a hundred yards off the roost. Should have had a hen, and you know, in his hip pocket when he left, and he didn't. So right. he played the game, read the script. So that's what I'm gonna. You know, we don't know how long their memories are, how long they can retain anything. I think it's for. for I'm saying it's for a season, anyways. You know, it's for half a season, a four or five week period. I think. Because that's, that's why you get birds that are pressured that become a lot harder to call because they've had the human contact. They realize that every sound in, in the woods that sounds like a hen turkey isn't a turkey. And I'll always believe that yeah. after and growing or, up hunting public land.
0: Yep. And or don't you think potentially that hen was there and then all of a sudden a predator potentially got the hen and he's a little hanky on like that little spot is where the hen was going you know, and he had her, and then all of a sudden she's gone. Something happened to her. You know, almost the defensive mechanism of like, you know, what a coyote or what got that hen. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go wander over there.
1: Right, right, right. He just he he did everything he was supposed to do, and some by closing the distance. You know, we're we're somewhat reversing nature now. Gobblers go to hens. Obviously, we wouldn't kill them like we do. We do know they go to hens, but. But he got that close. I mean, he was that close and and could not lay eyes on the hen, and he never had her accompany him after the fact. And I'm sure, yeah, I mean, he could have been wondering, why did this loud mouth, sexy girlfriend of mine that I thought I had not, why is she not by my side right now? So, yeah, yeah, give him a day when that happens, without a doubt
0: scott you won the owl hooting contest uh at the nwtf talk a little bit about that that's a great accomplishment and
1: um, i was proud to see you win that thank you jay i appreciate it it's um the owl has always been such a fun contest for me um i'm just intrigued by the barred owl almost as much as i'm intrigued by turkeys and we don't hunt owls obviously as a bird of prey just the language and the many many sounds they can make and um I won the U.S. Open in 2014, and then I, I've had some, some success at local contests. Um, I was always knocking on the top five. The last seven, eight, nine years, I was knocking on a top five in the Grand Nationals. Well, I started finally studying owls and, and listening to myself and recording myself and, and realized a few things that I think I had to do differently in order to score. Now, the tone of my Hooters, in my opinion, was never the issue. It was how it was how I was putting it together and trying to paint the picture in one minute. Wasn't I wasn't selling it to the judges. And last year I really changed some stuff up. I went out on a limb and changed my whole routine. I made up my own routine because I'd be lying if I didn't say I didn't somewhat emulate a James Harrison or a Mark Prudhomme routine from years past. Somewhat, not not note for note, but kind of the structure. I said, Scott you're, you're original. You do what you do, do you. And I did. And then I did a few other things that I probably am not going to divulge because they're, you know, I am not want to give all my trade secrets away. But, um, and, uh, last year I placed fourth. I had my first top five and, um, got tons and tons of compliments from all the judges. They had wrote my number down and, you know, in the, in the number of callers. I was, we'll call it 15 last year. I don't know what number it was, but they came up to me. What number were you? What number were you? And I said, oh, I was 15. And, has had a lot of great compliments from some really great ears in the industry, and uh, they 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 said keep doing what you're doing. This this is going to be yours. You're going to own it. And um, I I worked on a few other things this year, and and the rest is history. And I mean I'm excited to hold the title because I like I said I get a kick out of it uh, hooting in general and talking to owls. And and you know what I love to owl hoot to get a bird to gobble. And not only owl hooting with a good old eight note who cooks for you, who cooks for you all, but but incorporating screams. Um, I always tune my hooters where they'll scream and they laugh very well, and they'll do a great single-note locator hoot. And um, I always go above and beyond that eight-note hoot if I don't orig- initially get a bird to gobble. Now, if he's hot to try, you know, you you just, oh, and he gobbles, and you got him. Okay, there he is. But there's a lot of times you'll step it up to an eight-note hoot, and then he maybe he does, maybe he doesn't gobble. And that's when I get aggressive and get more advanced and I do, I'll throw a scream in there, I'll throw in a, a laugh sequence, a short, real fast, loud laugh sequence with a single note locator hoot, something like that to try to jerk a gobble. And it works, especially, um, if I make it, if I lengthen that series a little bit. I think sometimes they sit there and listen to it and, in, and instead of initially just them gobbling at the initial loudness and shrillness of the sound, I think it just it just ticks them off. You know, they're like, sure. this old owl gets to cranking and cranking and cranking, and then, you know, like, and he goes up. for six shut or up. yeah, six or seven yeah. seconds, and he goes, "Oh, wait a minute!" Oh, he's gonna give him some too because he heard him get loud and get obnoxious, and that's just kind of the things that I deduce in my mind that turkeys are thinking when when it's not just that initial shrill, loud sound that makes him just shocked to it. And I do the same with crows, Jay. I love doing a lot of uh, advanced sequences with my crow call, and not just you know, call, call, call. I get the growl and the roll. Ah, ah, ah. I get all the roll, the throat rolling, the tongue rolling in, and get really aggressive and really loud, and I will often lengthen my sequence to four or five seconds as well and then go quiet, and then a lot of times that will jerk a gobble one. So, so a little Locator 101, a little advanced Locator stuff for the guys and gals out there listening.
0: For sure. And I may be jumping the gun a little bit, but didn't you create a call with Woodhaven that you guys are going to be selling? That, that I mean, you basically the call you use on the stage?
1: growl hooting? Yes, or for turkey calling for owl hooting. Absolutely, yes. That is, uh, we are in the R and D stages of a new owl hooter. You guys will be looking for it in 2021. It'll be hopefully debuting at the convention next year, and okay. it'll end up end up in hopefully all the big box stores. But yeah, very very proud of the project. Trying to create an owl hooter that a guy can go to the stage with and compete, or he can jerk a gobble out of one when he needs to jerk a gobble out of one.
0: And do you think it'll be a call that a guy, you
1: know, a, a a beginner
0: I mean I'm I'm no owl caller at all, but a, a guy like me can can
1: master and figure out not master, but you know, get that call working. A real
0: real advanced call.
1: Not at all, Jay. It's cupping your hands together to create a sound chamber and just having a little bit of rhythm, dude. That's all it is. Everything else will be built into the call, all with all with those cupped hands and opening and closing those hands to create laughs. I'll do some demo videos, as you know, I love teaching people. We could get into the app as well, my Turkey Tech app, um, with with the same type of stuff that's on there. But it's all about your hands being cupped and having a little rhythm. And the average guy will, again, with most any Woodhaven call you pick up, our mission and our goal and our end game has always been to create a call that the average guy could get a little more realistic or a lot more realistic than our competitors, and and that takes that guy to another level of realism. And as you well know, we've hunted together. You've hunted with some of the calling greats and the hunting greats. Realism makes a dang difference in the end. It's hard to convince people of it, but uh, I think, honestly, it's taken years and years of of uh, beating my head against the wall and doing podcasts with people like yourself and and trying to help folks learn how to be more realistic. I think it's finally come to a point where people are realizing or making the realization that it does matter. It, It can help. And, hey, you know what, it's just going to be worse on the turkeys in the long run, but it's going to make guys more successful hunters. And if they become more successful, guess what, they're going to hunt longer, they're going to hunt harder, they're going to buy more calls, more camo, more shells, they're going to be more more conservationist and hunting different states and using different licenses. And that's always been the thing you and I talked about with me helping people and trying to create something, whether it's the app or whether it's just a good call that helps a guy become more successful.
0: Yeah, I mean... I remember way back, you know, you, one of the first guys getting on YouTube and really describing how to Yelp and all the different intricate parts of the call and, you know, really working with guys, and that's always been awesome. And then, you know, this app that you've created is just awesome. Um, And there's these new updates on the app as well. Tell me a little bit about that because that's that's pretty sweet.
1: I'm super excited about it. Thanks, Jay. Um, Yeah, those YouTube videos go back... My gosh, I'm 46 in July. I'm getting old, brother. But I think those were literally almost 10 years ago now. I was in my 30s back when those whole things started on YouTube. But um, the app, Turkey Tech with Scott Ellis, you get it on uh, the Google Play Store or the App Store. It's 4.99. It's the price of a cappuccino, okay? And there's 30-plus years of knowledge on running calls, um, pot calls and mouth calls. I'm giving video instruction on basically about 14 different hand calls. This year we've added Jake and gobbler yelping, as well as the kiki run. And we've added a locator segment, just as we spoke about with those advanced owl hooting um, methods and the crow calling methods for locating. That's on the app. Um, and one of the most exciting things for me is we ha- I have four hunts that I edited down, and I intro these hunts and talk about what worked and why this hunt was successful, whether it was a setup or I called aggressive or I called uh, more coy and shy and, and and drop my volume levels down whatever it was on that particular hunt there's four of them i introduced a clip for the hunter to watch it and go and pick out what i'm doing and go i see what made that successful for him i watched the body language of the gobbler i watched you know they set up in a certain position where he, scott hid the hen and i'm really excited about that and that's something i'm going to be doing in the coming years uh, we're definitely going to be adding three four five of these situational tips is what we're calling them to the app but but just to give people a little more three-dimensional view of it, um, again, video instruction of me on a pot call and a mouth call. It has uh, printed tips that are just basically you can read along on text type print, and it talks about what the call is. It gives a written description of what and when turkeys do it and, and why they do it and then when the hunter should use it. So the guy or gal can read this and then and then listen to the call and go, okay, I, I get it. You know, He's going to do a cluck and purr if a bird's hung up and he's trying to get content and get softer and add a little realism to uh, to close out the bird, get him to break. Um, on top of that, it has audio of me running the call, just audio of just a demonstration of an excited hen yelp or a fly-down cackle. It also, which is the best part of this whole thing, is it has wild turkeys doing all these sounds, as well as crows, as well as owls. All audio of the wild animal themselves doing it. And last but not least, there's a recorder built into the app that accesses your phone mic and you can record yourself and play it and then push play on the, tur- the turkeys or the owls or the crows or me, myself, and you can compare what the different sounds are to what you're doing. And, and ultimately, you know, I'd rather you do it to the turkeys than me, but the cool thing about listening to a guy, I mean, you know, I've won some grand national titles, three of them, as a matter of fact, in the turkey calling world and a bunch everywhere else, and it just shows what a human has the potential to do, if you want to take it that far you know maybe not everybody ever is going to ever practice that much but if you can raise your game up a couple of notches you're going to be more successful and that's what that app will do for you
0: well and who doesn't as a turkey hunter want to be better i mean i, I i've been around you and some of the best callers in the world and everybody's always trying to get better no one no one that i know is like nah, i don't want to get any better i don't want to call more turkeys i mean you know being around you and billy and some of those guys you guys are always tweaking stuff you're always trying to get better you're always trying to get more realistic and you know the everyday joe as well i mean they're just any any little bit of good that they can do i
1: mean it just helps their hunts um you know you know go go ahead that's a hard thing to convince people though ironically um that that calling can make that much of a difference and and as i mentioned earlier um i've i feel like there's a little bit of a a change in the tide as far as people are really starting to grasp that adding realism to all these awesome woodsmanship skills you already have is only going to make you kill more turkeys why not you know why not up your game a touch and and you'll become even more consistent in killing them um, as opposed to just using and relying on decoys or your woodsmanship skills or patterning the birds, you know, add every dimension you can. Make that bag of tricks about four foot deep and just dig and dig and dig in those bag of tricks, and like you said, become more successful. We're always looking for an edge. I'm always looking for a, an angle, a more realistic uh, yelp, a more realistic cluck and purr, and I'm always trying to learn from the birds and learn from other friends and other great turkey hunters that I happen to be alongside with. Never be too proud to learn and take something away from a hunt or another hunter that has got a great experience and great success as well. Because if you don't, you're just you're doing yourself an injustice.
0: For sure, man. When it comes to designing turkey calls um, and you know just messing with them at all times and tinkering with stuff. Talk about when you you know you have all your signature series calls and and <clears throat> you know you have a whole series of them. You can make your call and cut your own reads, but talk about how good Woodhaven is about you know you taking the call and saying I want you to make it just like this, and then taking it from that stage to production stage to in the stores and getting you know sold by the thousands. How good is Woodhaven at
1: doing that? Well, it's a, it's a very simple process. Um, it goes down to miking the reeds. It goes down to miking the side stretch and the back tension, um, pictures, drawings, um, and samples, obvious samples that, that are right in front of them. The guys in the shop, I mean, they have been building calls now for 20-plus years at the Woodhaven. We had our 20th year anniversary of Woodhaven this year. And these, I mean, there's nobody better at it. Um, and, and for them just to take basic specs from my call or Billy's call or Pentecost's call and duplicating is real simple. They, we give them all our dimensions, our standards, our specs. Um, and, and honestly, Billy builds some of my calls and i uh, make almost all of his. Billy builds thousands of calls. So just know that, that, that your, your calls hey, buddy, are being I built by, t-
0: last year on the Gould's Hunt. He had his stuff with him and was making calls right there on the table. I'm like, what are you doing? Exactly. Goes, I got calls
1: to make. I'm like, okay. And he, I mean, he was incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. So you have the best in the business that are touching these calls. And ultimately, once you have the design down and, and I've got it where I feel, and, and this is another great part of this process, and we're sharing some kind of some trade secrets here, but I make these calls but I start creating a new cut. And if you look at my, my calls, I have the yellow venom, the Raspy Red Reactor, the Black Reactor, and the Ellis New Energy. This year, we debuted our three new ones that will not be available now until 2021, and that's going to be the Bladed V that I came up with, Billy's Chiseled Cutter, and Mike, Mike's Hyper Hammer. And these calls were sold. We sold 503 packs in less than a day at the convention. Gone. Wow. And wow. all the feedback that, uh, from these things, people are going nuts, going, when can I buy any more of these? I said, no, you better hang on to it and save it for turkey season because you won't get them until next year. But, <laughs> but to go back to the process, let me get back to the process that you actually asked about. So they, the samples are made at the shop, and they're mailed to all of us. And we run these things, and we spec these things and make sure they're – and it, it'll be a matter of me taking a picture or calling the shop and going, nope, you take too much off that top reed. The stagger on the reed is not precise enough. you got too got too much back tension. And we get, we get it all together until we get it right. On top of that, when I'm doing these tests, I bring all my turkey hunting buddies over. And I'll, I'll send these things out or have a dozen to 15 to 20 different buddies of mine that are great turkey hunters and they're very solid callers. They're, they're not great callers, they're solid callers. And I love putting them in their hands and letting all the different friends. And, and, and it's all cool how they all sound different, but they all sound turkey and how easy it is to do everything that I want them to do, which is cluck and purr and bubble cluck and tree call. And then if you have to get nasty, by golly, you start cutting, and you can fram on it and um, and get loud and get r- r- rashes as you want to get. And then, again, you can bring it right back down and tone it down to smooth, sweet talk. And that's all of my design. That'll be, this will be the fifth one. The bladed V will be the fifth one. I've always made them where you can drop the air pressure and drop, drop the tongue pressure and get the soft stuff and clean it up, but you put air to it, and it automatically becomes raspy and, and has great tone. And that's always been my designs. Um, some calls are just a good old nasty split V. A straight split V can be just good for cutting and raspy open, and they're kind of hard to do all the facets. But some people don't care about that. They can't do it anyway, so, you know, that's their call. The Red Wasp is, is our probably our biggest seller ever, and it's just a really good call for cutting and yelping really loud. It's, kind of, it's a little harder to tone it down. The guys eat that rasp up, and they love they can fram on it and get loud and aggressive. And a lot of guys, that's all they want to do, and they kill tons of turkeys doing that. My calls I went, I guess they're not more advanced. They're just a little more um, three-dimensional in the sense that, they're. You can again, you can get soft and clean it up, or you can put more air to it and a little more tongue, and you're going to get those raspy sounds. So there you have it. Friends demo the calls. I tinker with them. And then the shop makes them, uh, and to our specs, Billy, Billy and I worked on my new signature one. that Billy actually built them. He built my bladed V out of those three packs, and that's awesome. If you, if you have a problem with Billy Yargis building your mouth call, then you have a problem because <laughs> Billy can build them. And so we went back and forth, and I'm like, no, send me some more builds. I said, I said, that, that top three is cut at too much of an angle, You know, a few little twicks, and, and, and boom, we got it nailed down. I go, that's it, because Billy will write number one, two, three, four, five on the call and then I'll go, it's number two, do it exactly like number two, and Billy puts the dimensions and everything he does with that particular numbered call. So it's a great process, and it's gonna and it's, it makes consistency, it makes good tone, and it makes the turkey hunter a better turkey caller, and we'll call him in more turkeys, in my opinion. Scott, i got to ask you, does this ever get old for you? Man, it never does. It never does. <laughs> um, I love talking on these podcasts and rambling on and, Thank goodness that there's a few, enough people that enjoy listening to me ramble about turkeys, and, and maybe I can teach somebody something or they can learn something. Um, I will say, my friend, as I'm getting older, I'm getting slower and slower. Well, <laughs> I'm calling. I'm telling you, brother. I mean, it's interesting. Um, a lot of times you and I will talk about my my, my season schedule kind of thing. We'll touch on that. And um, I'm actually scaled it back, believe it or not, a little bit this year, doing a lot in Florida, then hitting uh Jake, I've taken Jake to South Carolina for the first time, second time. Actually he went with a little bitty guy, but we're going to South Carolina getting a bird there, hopefully. Um, doing some Georgia stuff in April. And then nothing real crazy. And then in, in May, um first weekend in May I'm going to Michigan. Then I come home for Mother's Day weekend and stay home in Florida. Recharge the batteries. Then I jump on a plane on like that following Wednesday and I'm going to Washington State. Another one of my uh, Pacific Northwest uh, destinations where I'm trying to get, I'm trying to click away a Super Slam with a few, three or four new states every year. I'm never going to do it in like five years, but I'm trying to do it before I'm dead. So I'll come home after that mid-May trip to Washington State and then come home, and then it's Kim's birthday weekend, my wife. And after that, I get to recharge my batteries that weekend, and I'm finishing up in Maine and going up and hunting. the last weekend in May, I'm going to Maine to finish up there. So wow. I got some breaks in between my hunts. I think the refuel, recharge, and you know. And for the listeners out there, Jay, I mean, you know as well. You know me. I, I work a full time job. All I do is break up my hunts on like Thursdays and Fridays, vacation days, and try to and then fly out on Wednesdays. Yeah. Everything I do is centered around me balancing. I get three weeks of vacation a year, and I save four or five days for deer season. So I've got like ten days that I break up in the weekends. Everything else, I'm a weekend warrior. I'm hunting every single weekend. Um, as local as I can when I can't drive and I can't burn a day of vacation you know hunting in Florida maybe even Georgia four or five <laughs> hours away so yeah it's um, it never gets old man I'm just getting slower and I, I'm, I'm starting to like the blind call a lot more <laughs> instead of walking up <laughs> down mountains for miles and miles and
0: miles <laughs> oh man hey um, Scott tell me about Apex Ammunition uh, Apex has stepped up and they're sponsoring my podcast this spring and um, I've had hunters that have had it and just you know unbelievable results with it. and I can't wait to put it into action here this spring. Um, but you were kind of, you know, as soon as Apex came out, you saw the value in it and talk about it a little bit.
1: Oh, it's a great story. I mean, I'm a veteran, six years in the Army, proud to serve my country. Um, Jared Lewis, one of the co-owners, is um, he, he is an, an active reservist in the Army. He's an officer um went to oh my Syria he went all over the Middle East last year he was gone for like 12 14 months on a he was activated and deployed Nick Charney is an active Air Force captain and Jason lonsberry the other co-owner he is a um he is a uh, um a husband of a fighter pilot his wife's a fighter pilot and so everybody everybody involved is, is has ties to the military and our veterans or in a military dependent um great story um a gentleman by the name of Robert McCormick and I were our friends here. And he lives about thirty minutes from me here in Plant City. Robert was loading TSS recipes um, for me about two years before Apex went commercial. And Nick and I talked at the Woodhaven booth over the years and became buds just because he'd always stop by and see me, and we chatted up about the season, what was going on. And then one day Nick's like, oh, "We're going to go. We're going to go full bore with this with this uh, TSS thing." I'm like, "I'm I'm in." Count me in. Whenever you do it, call me. I'm already shooting it. I love it. I'd love to be a part of the developmental process. I'd love to be a part of your help builder pro staff team, you know, to, to help promote it. I'm in. And uh, lo and behold, about two years after that, that one conversation, wasn't about three or four months out of the gates, um, I'm named their, their pro staff manager, and I've been with them ever since. And it's like we're on year three. Um, and, gosh, Jay, Jay, what do you want to talk about? I mean, it's it's, it's pattern density, with kinetic energy and coupled with great velocity and you have the most devastating patterns available to shotguns, modern day shotguns. Um, I don't, it's, it's the, you know, a nine shot, which is one of the most popular, the eight and a halves are the Turkey Ninjas that we have now teamed with Woodhaven. We partnered with the Turkey Ninja brand and now that's the Apex Turkey Ninja. Those are eight and a halves. So they give you a little bit more punch even than a nine more closely to an eight, but yet they still have the pattern density of a nine. You're, you're only losing a few pellets, but you're getting a little bit more kinetic energy. A couple pounds per square inch, basically. So, um, matter of fact, I'm hunting this weekend for the opener in the south zone, and I'm looking right here at my new 410 Stevens. And I'm shooting the Apex 410 seven-eighths ounce of nine-and-a-halves, and I'm shooting a True Glow Ignite Red Dot with an Indian Creek 390, and I am deadly the 40 yards, probably a, a little further with this 410, and I'm, uh, I rarely shoot a bird past that, but the beauty of Apex and, and what the modern t- shotgun shell has done, that the Apex TSS loads have done, is they have made your gun more effective at killing them a little bit further. And I'm not getting into 70 and 80 and 90 yards, all this ridiculous stuff, but clearly these loads are carrying the downrange energy and the pattern density to extend the maximum effective killing range of your shotgun. Now, I don't say that I go out there, Jay, I don't go out going, I'm going to shoot him at 65 yards this week, but by golly, if, if the shot presents it, it's a clean shot, and I know that I've done my homework and patterned my gun, put it in gelatin as we've done all the R&D, there's so much R&D that's been done, penetration, um, uh, pounds of kinetic energy per square inch, uh, the density of the actual TSS, it's all there, it's science, man, and it's like this, and this is the good comparison, I've done this on a couple different podcasts, Jay, is so a guy buys a seven mag and I'm using that's an old, a relatively old school round and a seven mag will kill a deer effectively to 400 yards. If you've got the right optics, it'll kill him a long way because my gun shoots 400 yards. Am I going to go deer hunting and tell, tell myself, well, I'm only going to shoot him at a hundred yards, even though my gun will do it to 400. And I know that I can perform that shot effectively every time I pull the trigger. Who would do that? Right. So, would. so the, the best way I'm trying to present this to people is I'm a purist. I don't even run decoys. You know that. You taught yeah. me into putting oh, yeah. a decoy out oh, yeah. three years ago in Mexico. You said, yeah, just do it. it. it they killed love you.
0: you were like, no. I'm like, yes. And you're like, no. And I'm like, we're going to. And you're like, okay, I'm
1: hunting with you. Uh, you I go- guess
0: we have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember the first
1: bird No decoy. So you yeah. got I got my way, and then you're like, no, yeah. we're going to put the decoy out. I'm like, okay, Jay, we'll put the dang decoy. <laughs> so we did. You know how I hunt generally? So yeah, I'm somewhat of a purist. Um, I'm not a decoy user. Uh, don't get me started on fanning yeah. and reaping and all that. I'm not an advocate. What's that?
0: Yeah, I got, I got you. I understand.
1: Oh yeah, not an advocate of that. Hey, if you want to do that kind of hunting, then you then break a leg, have fun, just be careful. That's what I tell people because that's just it's going to end up getting somebody killed, in my opinion. Um, my equivalent to uh, reaping and fanning is let's go put a deer suit on and go try to decoy a deer in. I mean, does that make any sense whatsoever? Somebody's going to get killed doing it, and there have already been some injuries. But anyways, moving forward, um, the Apex shells, we have the technology to lengthen our maximum effective killing range. So when he does hang up that one or two times a season, and he does give you a good shot, and you've done your work, you put the time in and know what that gun does, why not shoot him at 52 yards? When you know every time you pull the trigger, it'll do it. So you cheat your own. Some people are right now are going to hear that and they're going to frown on it. Oh, uh, that's just so terrible of him saying that. And some people are going to go, it's making sense. I don't go well, deer hunting with my 30 all 6 to shoot them at 50 yards when I can shoot them at 300. Why not get a little bit more range out of your shotgun if you're doing it ethically and if the gun will perform? Go ahead. I'm well, sorry.
0: <laughs> and, and the other thing, too, Scott, is, I mean, old-school turkey hunting, I mean, a lot of guys were shooting number fours, number fives, right? Oh my gosh. And you can only yep. get. So many fours and fives in a shotgun shell. When you're shooting nines or eight and a halfs or yep. or, or, or sevens, you yep. can get way more pellets in. You can get it's tungsten super shot, so tungsten is heavier.
1: Exactly. Right?
0: And it's exactly. you get more pellets actually in the kill zone. So exactly from a standpoint of you know shooting fours or nines, I look at it as how many can I get in the zone and how far can I carry that zone out. My biggest my exactly. thing is not necessarily how far out there I can kill, it's how many of those pellets can I get in that pattern out there where it's going to kill a turkey, and you can get, I mean, tell me how many Double, pellets that,
1: that 410
0: will get, uh, you know, I think you said like 163 pellets and a 40-yard in a tennis ball. And 40 a
1: 40-yard 40 ten-inch circle, 163, nine and a half. And nine yeah. and a half has the weight of a basically a number five, a five and a half. If that was a shot size in lead, has that right. same energy. It's a no-brainer. Right. And here's the thing: I, I got to expound on what you were saying with the fours and the fives from the old school days. And I shot sixes, and I've been turkey hunting for thirty-four seasons, thirty-five seasons this year, I think. And I shot sixes my whole life because my gun would not shoot fours or fives. Not only that, because the pattern density was so much better with sixes, and they still produce enough energy to kill them cleanly here's the thing where did 40 yards come from i'm just going to let you answer this question real quick you kind of already did where did the 40 yard magical number come from because that's where the pattern would dump off with all the other guys exactly that was the magic number for for 20 or 30 years that was the, just like the bows that shot 220 that was the magic number 25 years ago right. now they're shooting 340 and 350 feet per second. yeah and these, are we gonna yeah, not do that, that
0: because these it, shells are, are are holding better at 65 and 70 than the old school were holding at 40
1: exactly exactly so yeah. I'm not saying if I'm saying anything at all that I ever I rarely shoot a turkey I, I like 40 yards myself because the pattern opens up nice and even at 40 yards. I don't want to shoot a turkey at 20, oh, I'm going to call him in so I can see him blank. Well, good luck doing that and and hitting him with the full pattern because that pattern with any gun, heck, you could shoot him in with improved cylinder at 25, 15 yards, and it's still going to be the size of a baseball. I like to open up my margin of error a little bit, And and I tend to think I'm a pretty stinking good shot, but I'm dang sure going to let that pattern do its work with the way a bird will move and juke and his head will move and bob when he walks I'm going to give every advantage that I can in my favor because when I pull the trigger, I want to make sure I've put the best foot forward as far as pattern density. My pattern is open. I have a little margin of error. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm excited about the apex thing. Um, it's, it's it's pretty sweet. I've You're been gonna talking love it. with Nick, and, and a bunch of my hunters have been using it. I've been just blown away at, at how cool that pattern is. So it's Unbelievable. It's an exciting thing for me. Um, Scott. so... You are going to kind of not – it seems like last season and the season before you just had stuff so jammed in there. It sounds like you're going to space it out just a little bit and maybe possibly be able
1: to enjoy it and breathe a little bit more this year. As I get older, that's exactly right, bud. I mean, like I mentioned before, when I kind of briefly went through my schedule, a lot more local stuff. Obviously, Florida for me starts the end of February – with Jake. Now, Jake is 13, so we have two more youth seasons down south. After that, I'll probably be taking my nephew. and have Jake running camera with me <laughs> so we can run two cameras on him. But honestly, it um, uh, starts the last weekend in February for the South Zone, and then I hunt Florida from that hunt until usually the end of March. And then after that, um, I hit the road. But it, it's, it's a good precursor to the season because most everything I'm doing is just getting off of work on Friday and headed to camp or going to the woods. Um, I think I'm taking one Friday off to hunt with a buddy from Georgia that's never killed an Osceola, and I've got him a hunt lined out and uh, going to be hunting a Mormon ranch, actually, one of the Mormon leases here in central Florida, and um, we're going to try to get him his first Osceola. So all that said, then April picks up the steam a little bit, uh, South Carolina for about a four-dayer, um, and then a couple Georgia trips, and I think I may even slide like an, an early April Florida hunt in I'm working on, and, um, and then again, a, a, and in May I'm, I'm hunting, I'm skipping a weekend, I'm hunting, I'm skipping a weekend and I'm hunting. So it's a good way to keep those batteries charged up towards the end of it. Um, some of these guys that are doing a bunch of these other videos and, um, YouTube stuff and the, you know, Hunt Quest, my show is on the Go app, Mossy Oak Go app, free app you download on your phone. You can watch all the hunting you want for free. And then it's on YouTube.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a few other guys that are burning it up, uh, on those app, on the, uh, the web style TV shows and i tell you, they're a lot younger. They're about 15 years younger than me, so there is that, but um, they're burning it down, living out of the back of their pickup truck, eating bologna sandwiches and peanut butter sandwiches. And those I love days. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember, I mean, I was I, living off chicken gizzards and bologna sandwiches. I mean, I remember those days, but, I mean, I never had the luxury to travel like that right. and hunt. Um, when I was in the military, I was hunting. I would take, like, two weeks' leave out of the 30 days' of leave that I used to get. As a kid, I, I hunted weekends. Uh, spring breaks I was in the woods turkey hunting during spring break I wasn't at Daytona chasing girls I was chasing turkeys <laughs> yeah I sure was all my high school years I never once did anything but spend the whole week in the woods camping and hunting management areas here in Florida so um yeah it just uh these get more power to them I, I give these guys all the credit in the world because I as much as I'd rather like you said earlier does it ever get old never but but does my energy capacity wane to the point of slowing down so much it, it's not quite as fun yeah absolutely it's it uh it it, it burns you up it's it's uh it's a labor of love it's it's the part of the chase it's it's part of the hunting new territories new terrain i'm like i said i'm hunting three new states this year i'm looking forward to the finishing the season with with that maine's going to be a really neat a neat trip too so it's just uh the older we get slower we go i mean you're you're burning it up as much as anybody i know jay the way you do your your gold thing i mean when does that start for you
0: so we'll head out April 18th, and I'll be done May 13th, and we'll do I'll do six trips in a row, basically four-day trips, and uh, yeah, we're scheduled to shoot probably close to 75 birds this year on about close to 20 different properties, and um, yeah, it's, it's my 11th season for Gould, believe it or not. I just finished my 10th last year, and you know uh i just turned 47 and and uh this cooster season was my 24th season in mexico doing coos deer hunts so yeah it's it's still i just love it as much as i did the first day so you know whenever that stops i'll probably quit doing it but it it hasn't hit me yet and and there's no slowing down and it's just something that it always the spring times Burning inside of me, ready to get going for turkeys, and you're already on the board, Ellis. So I'm already one back, but uh, <laughs> it's it's on you, you oh to, it, it ain't gonna take you long in Mexico, pal. Oh my gosh,
1: it ain't gonna take you but a some,
0: minute. Yeah, I'll make up for some lost ground here in a month or so. But um, it's always great having you on the podcast, and um, love watching your show. Thanks for the great app and all the stuff that you do uh, with Woodhaven and Apex, and um, you know, you're just a, a class Mafia, act, buddy. Yep, appreciate, yep, for sure. Appreciate all that you do and um, just have enjoyed your content over the years and want to encourage you uh, to keep going and uh, let the listeners know um, where they can reach out to you, uh, where they can follow along, Instagram, whatever it may be, uh, and get after them uh,
1: here. Absolutely. Uh, Instagram is Scott underscore C underscore Ellis. I think you can type in Hunt Quest. It'll actually come up that way too. That's my Instagram. I've got a fan page on on um, Facebook. It's Hunt Quest with Scott Ellis, and um, my YouTube channel is Hunt Quest. You can find us on the Massey Go app as well, um, and uh, be looking for some instructional stuff. Um, I'm actually trying. I'm entertaining the idea of teeing up some short shows, some five, six, eight minute. Quick clips, kind of like those things that are on there when I'm about thirty pounds lighter and ten years ago. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> um, I love them. something similar to that, but revamping those, filming them in HD, and uh, and going even more advanced, possibly on some some. I, I like to do the situational stuff on on, and I there I had a lot of U- tips on my YouTube channel, people, so check it out again. Just type in Hunt Quest, and and I've got I don't know hundred videos on the channel, and um, a, a lot of it is four seasons of Hunt Quest. But a lot more of it too is all kinds of turkey tips, from calling on windy days and changing the voice of the hen and Yelp Note spacing and the cluck and purr and there's just tons and tons of stuff I mean um, that I've tried to do to to get the guy to be the guy and the girl to be a little bit more successful. Um, and I think I mean I think that covers it up. Turkey Tech, my app is on the Go I mean I'm sorry, on the Google Play store for droid users and it's on the app store for iPhone users. So both platforms are available. I'm very proud of it. It's it's a tool that anybody can learn from, and that's something that I touched on earlier, Jay, is don't ever be too proud to try something new and learn from somebody else. I don't. I, I mean, you're a fool if you don't. Right. Learn something. You're doing yourself an injustice. You could be selling yourself uh, down the river for not getting a tip. You could have gotten from somebody and, and put to use in the spring, and, and you know that that's what I tell them about the app because uh, I don't want it to feel like it's for beginners. It's for any turkey hunter. For, sure. it's for any turkey hunter. A lot of people came to me that I know are great turkey hunters and still said, I learned I, I got that. I finally got that whine that you're doing, or that cluck and purr. I finally figured it out, and then I also saw where you put it to use and I'm going to be trying that this spring. And it's as opposed to you know, and it is great for beginners too, you know. It's um it there's a, a very short segment on creating sound on a mouth call that just gets you creating sound. It doesn't go into um super, super detail on um, how to get uh, the 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 sounds initially, but there is a short clip on just sealing the air, getting the airflow, and chirping and making some racket on the call. Once you do that, everything else will pick up from there. And the tips that I videoed will teach you how to start manipulating the call to create the other sounds. But it's all there for the guy or the girl, the new, the old, the veteran, the expert. Um, I don't care who you are, you can learn something from. It, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to sound arrogant or you know pretentious. It's just a there's 34 years of uh, of, of running mouth calls and being successful on the stage, and more importantly, successful in the woods, and the tips and the tactics and how to put the calls to use. Give it a shot. Give it a look. For sure, man. God
0: bless. Thanks for coming on. I'll talk to you after turkey season. Knock them dead. I know you will.
1: You, CJ. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Bye.